Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents the Farmer's Beat Podcast. That's B-E-E-T. Hi, my name is Grace Perry. I work at Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I am the host of these episodes where we hear directly from small family farmers throughout California, getting the real information and the stories behind the food we grow and eat. In this series, we pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. Today, we are at Coastal Roots Farm, a nonprofit community farm located in Encinitas, California. Coastal Roots Farm cultivates healthy, connected communities by integrating sustainable agriculture, food justice, and ancient Jewish wisdom. And on this episode, we are joined by... Hi, my name is Adam McCurdy. Hi, my name is Garth Denton Borhaug. Hi, my name is Ellie Honan. This is the management staff at Coastal Roots who keep the farm running year-round and who know the farm best. All right, so um, what does Coastal Roots Farm look like? It's a really um, tricky picture to paint because it is a real urban-based community farm in a small northern coastal town in North County, San Diego. By the way, this is Adam, Director of Production at Coastal Roots Farm. We will be meeting and learning about his role at Coastal Roots in just a bit. I-5, as they say down here, the five. Um, Many lanes, lots of traffic. You've got a golf course on one side. You've got houses, housing developments. Um, It's really a tricky picture to paint, but it's a true essence of a piece of land that's preserved in a community as an agricultural entity. However, this is a fascinating um, layout in that Coastal Roots is on 17, roughly 17 acres of a roughly 70 acre parcel in the middle of the picture that I just painted. So you're gonna have to bear with me as I try to paint this picture. So you've got a canvas and you're looking at it. We've got an eight acre agroforestry food forest, which is in various states of lushness and repair working with uh, some different key line concepts. So water harvesting, looking at the contour of the land to kind of lay out the uh, functionality of those silvopasture rows and trees. So you've got your canopy and your understory. Um, You have then pavement in between that um, with other greenhouses of other agricultural entities that are that are happening, some of which are in the ornamental nursery business, some of which are in the research and development business. So when the foundation purchased the property, it was to preserve agriculture in the region because this used to be a very ag-centric community. So I painted that picture for you. Now come down the come down the gravel and mulch hill with me to our lower vegetable fields where we have an amazing nature play space built out, which is a beautiful fenced-in area with passion vines growing around it, um, where you walk on mulch and you feel the you feel like the sponginess of the of the earth um, as you come into an area where folks can come and experience kind of a STEM STEM science-based education, climbing tractor, um, different ways to get kind of sensory sensory garden, if you will, and that's flanked by an education garden where all of our educational programs are running their curriculum through those gardens 
and the production fields are right adjacent to that. And so we've got production fields that are in, in uh, blocks and quadrants all throughout everything that I've just described. And then when you get to the very corner of the property before you get to one of those very busy roads that I was speaking of, that's a thoroughfare to getting to the freeway, you see our quaint little farm stand where we have our, our open twice a week, pay what you can, stationary farm stand that is uh, kind of, it's a real gem in the community. And just across from that is a nursery and the Butterfly Farms, which is a totally different organization, but there's a lot of different organizations on the property. So we're trying to make that a place that folks can come and learn what it means to steward the land, what it means to work with the natural cycles, and to feed people very nourishing food fresh out of the ground with the baseline of um, food being our medicine and food access. So Coastal Roots, um, the land that Coastal Roots is on was purchased by the Leech Tag Foundation in 2012. And they, I believe, incubated the farm in 2014. This is Ellie. She is part of the management team at Coastal Roots. Um, and then we got our own nonprofit status in 2015. And I believe got our organic certification in 2018. So it's been kind of a a slow progression on the land, um, but we've been our own entity, our own organization for about seven years. Coastal Roots Farm's mission is to cultivate healthy, connected communities by integrating sustainable agriculture, food justice, and ancient Jewish wisdom. The farm grows on about 17 acres. We're on a property that's 67 acres, but there are a lot of other organizations um, and agricultural or, um, companies working on the property, but we're spread out on about 17 acres of the property. Of the 17 acres, we have about three acres of row crop vegetable production. We have an eight acre food forest, and then we have a mid-scale compost operation that takes up um, a solid footprint of land up at the top of the property. Um, and then we also have 150 laying hens um, that rotate around. And then we have um, an educational space. So we have education gardens where um, kids and people coming for educational programs can get their hands in the soil. Um, and then we have a nature play space where kids can come and um, learn in a creative, open play style um, space in nature. We're growing year-round here in Southern California, so it's a little bit different, but it still feels like we've gotten through this really big push. We're by far growing the most food during the summer, and then we're trying to grow a lot of our bulk crops to kind of get us through the slower months in the winter. Yeah, so we're pretty diversified within our vegetable production. So we're growing all of the classic carrots, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, um, beets, turnips, radishes, cut greens. Um, bunch greens, all of that. And then we also have the food forest where we have um, some diversified fruit trees and herbs. Um, and then we're intercropping annual vegetables between the rows of fruit trees in the food forest as well. Um, but definitely our main crops that are bringing in revenue are diversified vegetables. Here's Adam McCurdy, director of production at Coastal Roots Farm and the person responsible for the great description of the farm we heard earlier. Hi, my name is Adam McCurdy, and I'm the director of production here at Coastal Roots Farm. Oh, I don't even know what I do at Coastal Roots. <laughs> I oversee the entirety of the growing areas, 
um, but I do that very collaboratively with a large team. So I oversee the facilities and kind of the greater 17 acres uh, as they exist on the 70 acres of um, land that are here, um, work throughout the different growing areas and the different teams. I, I operate cross-departmentally in multiple different teams, such as the distribution department and our education department, but really the production department is where the majority of my focus goes, and uh, I work really closely with our farm manager, who you'll be meeting later, um, Ellie. This is Ellie again, the manager of production at Coastal Roots Farm. Hi, my name is Ellie Honan. I'm the manager of production at Coastal Roots Farm. So I'm the farm production manager, um, which <laughs> looks really different from day to day. Um, and I'm always kind of toggling back and forth between big picture, planning, managing side, and then literally being in the weeds, um, field work side of things. But a big part of my job is creating the annual crop plan, lining out everything that we're growing, lining out the crop rotation, um, and then from there, I'm lining out weekly operations, um, all of our transplanting, direct seeding, weeding, bed prep, um, kind of keeping the farm rolling, bringing the crop plan to fruition. Um, and I supervise all of the folks in the field. So taking the crop plan and basically laying out everyone's schedule. And then we also have um, a mid-scale compost operation. So I'm overseeing all of that. Um, and the folks that are kind of on the ground in those areas. And this is Garth. Hi, my name is Garth Denton Borhaug, and I'm the post-harvest and distribution manager here at Coastal Roots Farm. Um, I've been in my current position for just over two years. I help manage our post-harvest operations, so all of the food that the farmers bring in from the field. I'm in the pack house washing, storing, um, and then folding those into our various distributions. I manage our on-site pay-what-you-can farm stand that we operate twice a week. And uh, yeah, so not only are we bringing food or making food available to the public at the farm stand, um, like I said, we have a pretty robust distribution program where we're going out into the community, bringing food, packing up our trucks, setting up food distributions to uh, help feed, you know, target populations, mostly food insecure. Ellie tells us about the production team at the farm. So on the production side, um, we have eight people in the field, um, and then myself as manager um, and Adam as director. Um, the farm overall at this point, I believe, has 22 employees, um, but we have a whole education team and programs team um, and then administrative staff and fundraising staff. The production team kind of fluctuates throughout the year, but currently we have um, six full-time and two part-time staff. And then we have two seasonal interns and weekly open volunteer hours where we get up to 10 volunteers. A motto of Coastal Roots is nourishing community. And that is exemplified in the farm's pay-what-you-can farm stand and the other ways they deliver fresh produce to the community. So we have a pay-as-you-can farm stand um, where we get anybody in the community or they can um, take up to $30 of produce at no cost if needed. So that brings in a pretty diverse range of folks from the community. Um, and then we also are raising money through grants um, and donations to donate food to different food insecure communities 
um, in the San Diego area. So we donate to Epi Nation um, Reservation to homebound seniors. Um, we donate to the American Indian um, Center in San Diego. And we donate to Vista Community Clinic, which is a primarily Latino community in Vista. Um, and then we donate to low-income military members at Camp Pendleton. Any extras beyond that, we'll donate kind of as one-off donations to different food pantries in the area. The South Barn, or Soba as it is referred to, is a newer addition to the farm and houses the new pack house. Garth describes Coastal Roots' pack house where the post-harvest action takes place. But the barn is still relatively new. It's just, I would say, maybe three years old. And that's, that's been in kind of constant evolution. Before the barn was built, uh, the old pack house was just a little, just a little lean-to structure by our, by our farm stand on Saxony Road there. That was just, you know, open air, um, very small. Yeah, not as complex. I came on board um, when the, the current pack house is in its pretty much its current iteration. We also had a pretty big root washer that we've since gotten rid of um, for efficiency reasons. Didn't really work well for, um, for what we were doing here at the farm, but uh, you know, it's, it's always constantly evolving. You know, you learn a little bit more, you develop, refine your systems and acquire maybe a, a new piece of equipment or we recently uh, got our first green spinner, one of those washing machine conversion kits, and have kind of like configured the whole flow of, you know, product coming in and versus going out into our coolers or into our trucks um, in an efficient way. So yeah, I, I enjoy getting to kind of tinker, you know, with with the space there. Garth describes his favorite packhouse tools, post-harvest record keeping, and how food safety is a philosophy that he is constantly learning and changing. I couldn't do my job without our pressure washer. We use that multiple times a day, not just for food, but for also cleaning the just the, the station. You know, we use that to clean our bins. Uh, we use that to keep a clean uh, post-harvest station, and occasionally we'll activate that for certain hardy root crops too. Um, I gotta say the green spinner is really awesome though. <laughs> you know, get to just push that button and watch it go. It's great. One person on the dunk tanks handling lettuce, kale, you know, all the bunched greens, and, and then another uh, working on cut greens or, um, you know, spraying any like bunch root crops, things like that. And uh, we've kind of dialed in our, our, you know, our flow to where myself and current farmer Scott is his name are um, most efficient with just the two of us, you know. You bring a third person in there and sometimes it's, you know, um, there's not as much for them to do or, you know, they're better off doing something else in the field, you know. It's, uh, it's kind of a two-person operation. We have a, a post-harvest sanitation log, so we're keeping uh, records of um, when we're cleaning and sanitizing the space. Um, we kind of split that into areas, um, our dunk tank area, our green spinner area. We've got an area for floors and contact surfaces, um, egg coolers, and farm stand as well. 
is included in that. Um, and of course we have all of our harvest records too that are being filled, you know, as, as product comes in. But uh, I'd also like to say too that um, this whole food safety notion is, I also approach it the same way where it's um, constantly learning and constantly kind of adapting and changing to it. We're able to implement one little piece to help us, you know, keep track or be more um, active with implementing food safety protocols into our operations. And, and that's, um, you know, kind of a philosophy, I guess, it's just constantly, you know, learning and changing. Ellie describes Coastal Roots' record-keeping process. Yeah, so to keep up with food safety record-keeping requirements, we have a mix of handwritten logs and electronic logs. Um, So our harvest log is our main electronic log. We um, write our harvest lists using um, Excel, and then we um, print those, write the harvest weights as we're harvesting, and then go back and upload those so we have them electronically. All of the other logs, so our um, propagation house seed log, our transplanting and direct seed log, um, our inputs log, are all handwritten, and we just keep keep those together for the year, and then once a year we'll scan those um, for our organic certification audit or food safety audit, um, if that comes up in the future. And we have kind of different people responsible for making sure that each task gets logged. So for harvest, there's a harvest lead who's responsible for uploading the weights. Um, For transplanting and direct seeding, whoever is on a given day responsible for that task will make sure that as part of closing out the task, they're logging. Um, And for transplanting in particular, since we often have multiple people, um, it's kind of whoever has the the plant label from the planting flat, um, we'll make sure that it gets logged. They didn't always do it this way. They transitioned to electronic logs because... And so we ended up transitioning to uploading the weights to our electronic log for that reason, so that it was kind of cementing in that um, tracking and making sure they weren't getting lost in the hectic harvest day, and then also more easily able to total weights and, in the case of a recall, be able to... Um, look at a whole the whole life of a crop over several harvests. So kind of shifting a little bit and talking about food safety now, what do you think is unique about food safety on an urban community farm and education space? Uh, for every farm is so unique. and I can I can say that because I've been I've been observing it since it came down the came down the pike and looking at what it what it's going to look like for farms to brew up these, um, these plants. And your very large, it doesn't even need to be monocrop, large production farms that are really putting food out into our food system, into our national or our international food system, are running out of food safety plan with a lot of similarities to what we're doing here. The property where Coastal Roots is houses several other agricultural businesses. Now that pavement up at the top of the hill is another agricultural entity. And so they're in a greenhouse or they're out in the open, but we have to think about that runoff. We think about the runoff that's coming down to our fields from, from that pavement uphill. We're thinking about welcoming. I talked about the education uh, farm and garden, and we're welcoming public um, out to frolic through the fields 
So a lot of these larger farms will say, private property, do not enter. We're au contraire, com public community farm, come on in. We're not public like a park would be, but really when you see the, the um, sheer volume of folks that are passing through here in a day and the children that are coming through and the farm tours that are running and the education programs that are running, it's very complicated because then we, we also a ton of, we're a nonprofit farm. We're banking on our volunteers to help us get our jobs done and also to come and experience the land. That's like part of our, that's what we're growing. As important as the vegetables we're growing, we're growing that community. And how do you get folks that are just coming through for two hours to understand that we have a food safety plan? How are we gonna get them to keep their hands clean if they're gonna be helping us with harvest? How are we gonna make sure that they don't walk into the chicken coop and then walk into the fields? How are we gonna make sure that they don't just grab a, a dirty bin and then start throwing produce into that when we're, when we're out there harvesting? I would say are the, the sheer volume of diversity that we have in the crops that we're growing and the layout of the land and that we're not a you-pick, but certainly within our education programs and whatnot, there's a lot of there's a lot of picking going on, you know. And how do we how do we make sure folks are feeling that magic, and making sure that we're adhering to the to the food safety regulations as we're still figuring out really exactly what those are. The food safety mandate, I guess, if you will, is even there for. And granted, it falls into our organic certification. It falls into some of the other county and state regulations that we have. It's just one of those things that we do want to be getting the, the, um, the, the freshest, safest, tastiest, uh, most nutrient-dense food to, to the people. Adam shares some tips and tricks that have worked at Coastal Roots Farm to instill a culture of food safety. The culture of food safety and how that runs through the fabric of our organization within the different teams um, that are you know, actual employees of the, of the farm, but they might be more from a communications end and leading tours from that angle or from the education end and running programs or leading tours or welcoming folks to the farm from that perspective. And one of the things that that was um, very daunting at first, and how do we even capture this? How can we even share this information with folks? Another thing to think about is staff turnover. So how are we going to get folks who might not even be in the post-harvest station very often, to understand that we have food safety concepts to keep in mind within our post-harvest area. And one of the things that we did was we developed a, a video. Um, it's a food safety video. Kind of organizationally, we're requiring anybody that's going to be in our production fields or doing any of these um, aspects of operation that I just spoke of to watch this video. And if you have questions, to speak to specific supervisors of certain areas to get a little bit uh, more in-depth understanding of that. Another thing that we've done is we've created a, um, access to different SOPs so that folks can reference it because it's a lot of information. So having access, even an SOP for how to fill out a log and having access to those, not only digitally, but for the, those that are pertinent to have them analog as well so folks can just be coming to the farm for a little while and see the binder that has that information in it. Now that binder, at first I thought we were going to have very succinct binder that had, you know, it was your food safety binder. But there is just too much that changes and needs to be updated. It'd be a huge, huge set of documents that would be too cumbersome to even work through. So we're still fine. We're still figuring it out. We'll work it out over the course of the next year. Um, the awareness of just understanding that you're washing your hands before you go in and harvest, 
you're recognizing if you've got a clean tote, you're looking for animal intrusion, you're looking to see, you know, how cool if you see that, well, it's not so cool for us if you see coyote tracks because we have chickens, but if you see coyote tracks or coyote scat or bobcat tracks, you think, oh, that's great. But we've got the team knowing that if you see that and you're assigned to that, to harvest that lettuce, that you're paying, you're paying mind to that. And uh, dilutions for different purposes and all of that, we decided to, you know, yes, for specific things, we'll make sure that it's happening in a different dilution. But otherwise, we came up with a general surface protocol, line on the bottle, SOP says it, label on the bottle says it, exactly how much you have, how much bleach to how much water. And that's just an example of um, how we might uh, be able to convey information to folks that we might not have, you know, much time to, to train. One last thing I'll say on that is, um, and we're yet to roll this out, but we did do a hand washing. So some of the most key elements to just making sure like baseline food safety is, um, is kept at hand, uh, we did a hand washing video. And we're planning on um, our volunteers needing to register online before they come. And before you can register, you watch that video. So boom, all of a sudden, here, 10 folks show up at a time. They're 10 minutes late. You don't have time to go through, hey, just so you know, we have a food safety plan here on this farm. They've already seen that. And so that's another, that's another approach. And again, we'll, we'll see how it all works out, but those are, some of the, those are some of the steps that we've taken to try to make it as um, viable as possible. As Coastal Roots Farm sets out to achieve new goals and looks ahead to 2022, Ellie tells us about a goal the farm achieved in 2021. Yeah, so our goal for this year was 60,000, and we did go beyond that. Um, we actually grew 80,000 pounds. Are there any new crops, practices, or equipment that you're excited to try out for the first time in 2022, like looking into next season? Well, we did, I mean, this is, uh, we did just break in a new implement, which was really exciting. We got um, a digging bar for harvesting sweet potatoes, which was a game changer because harvesting sweet potatoes last year was terrible and took hours and hours and hours of digging. Um, so that's a new implement that has really changed our sweet potato harvest and I'm excited to use that for carrot harvests and um, looking to some other root crops. We are looking into occultation tarps. We've been practicing occultation with weed tarps, um, but I'm really excited to keep developing that practice and look into some tarps that are actually set up for um, occultation practices. That's been a big part of our no-till. Can you briefly describe occultation? So occultation is the practice of using tarps uh, for a variety of reasons, but covering the soil with tarps. Um, we use it to terminate cover crops and to retain moisture. Um, for us, because we're in Southern California, we don't have a winter, so it's a way of kind of mimicking a winter and snowfall and allowing the land to rest without getting baked by the sun and um, drying out and losing a lot of moisture and getting a lot of weeds. So we grow a cover crop and then mow it really low and then lay the occultation tarps to terminate the cover crop and allow all of that organic matter in the root systems to break down. And then we're able um, to actually just come in and hula ho off the dead material and rake it off. And it retains moisture and creates a really beautiful ecosystem for microbial life as those roots are breaking down. 
CAF is a nonprofit organization that has been helping small farmers across California with technical assistance and policy advocacy since 1978. If you're curious about things you learned in this episode, head over to our show notes at calf.org slash farmersbeat. That's B-E-E-T, where we have links, resources, and photographs. Be sure to check out Coastal Roots Farm on Instagram at Coastal Roots Farm and share the episode with your friends. Also follow us on Instagram at calf underscore fam farms to stay up to date on when new episodes are released and see more pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. This podcast would not exist without funding from the California Specialty Crops Small and Medium Scale Farm Food Safety Technical Assistance Program, made possible by the United States Department of Agriculture. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of CAF and do not necessarily represent the official views of the USDA's. We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their food safety tips to other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in being in a future episode or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at thefarmersbeat at calf.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm fresh insights right from the fields and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.